I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service. On May 16th, the Texas Association of Business, in collaboration with RGB Partnership, held a Rio Grande Valley Business Summit. Here's some of the highlights. The Senior Vice President, Corporate Affairs for Next Decade LNG, David Keene, gave some important updates about LNG export terminals at the port of Brownsville. Rio Grande LNG is one of the subsidiary companies of the parent corporation, which is Next Decade, uh, and our other subsidiary is Next Carbon Solutions. And just one minute about Next Carbon Solutions. This was a company that we created as a result of our desire to look at ways in which we can reduce the greenhouse gas footprint of Rio Grande LNG. So one of the advantages of the pandemic was it slowed everything down. So we had time to think and strategize about what do we want to do and how do we want to do it? Well, we wanted to create our own company. We've uh, submitted, I think, 26 patents uh, for this uh, carbon capture and sequestration. We have a proprietary process to capture carbon and then sequester it. One of the advantages of the way we do it is it doesn't use any water. So not only are we looking at an LNG facility that is sustainable from a a greenhouse gas footprint perspective, but one that is also sustainable from a use of water perspective. What next decade or what Rio Grande LNG is going to look like? And you can see there's, there's four tanks with a draft or with an LNG ship there. We're in the port of Brownsville. We'll be occupying about almost 1,000 acres of land. And when you look at this, these four tanks, LNG is it's a misconception that it's stored under pressure. It's not. LNG is stored at maybe one to two pounds above atmospheric pressure. So it's not explosive. Also, LNG, when it's in its liquid form, is not flammable. And people get, I think, misconstrue that. And same thing when it's transported via ship. It's, it's not transported under pressure, and it's, it's not flammable in its liquid form. Uh, the four tanks are 180,000 cubic meter uh, storage facilities. The ships that will come in will be range in size from about 140,000 cubic meters, which is probably about the size of this, which is typically around 1,000, about 1,000 feet long and about 12, uh, 12 stories tall. So they're fairly significant ships, and they'll go up to, I think, as large as QMAX ships that serve uh, uh, other LNG plants globally. It's a deep water port, as uh, Eddie mentioned, so we're, and we're pleased to be a partner with the, the Port of Brownsville on developing this facility. In terms of what I mentioned earlier about Next Carbon Solutions, our plan is to capture uh, more than 5 million tons of greenhouse gas emissions annually and sequester or store that permanently. That will, at the end of the day, reduce the amount of greenhouse gas emissions by over 5 million tons per year. We have proven companies that are partnering with us in developing the project. We've signed our engineering, procurement, and construction contract with one of the premier builders of these facilities globally, Bechtel. We're in the middle of now doing a price refresh on that, and we don't expect any surprises. Uh, And then one other thing that I do want to say is, and I'm going to talk about this in terms of demand, but over the last six weeks, uh, we've sold 4.75 million tons of LNG. Up until this uh, six weeks ago, we had sold 2 million tons. So things are moving quite rapidly, and we are, we are optimistic about a, a, a final investment decision that will take place in the fall. So this is what I was talking about in terms of reducing the greenhouse gas emissions from the facility. And you can see on the left side of the graph 
is when we applied for our uh, application, our permit, with the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Uh, and from, where we, from there, we uh, optimized the design of the facility, so we reduced it from six trains, which are, and they're not actually trains. And I get upset when people talk about this kind of stuff as trains or what. It's actually six processing facilities. So we've changed it from six to five. And also, I think a, a good way to look at this, and if there's any engineers in the room, and Eric, I apologize for this uh, up front, but I don't refer to them. I, I think of them as refrigerators. Engineers get upset when I say that. But at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is chill gas from its ambient temperature down to minus 260 degrees Fahrenheit or minus 160 degrees Celsius. And, and so what does that do? That's a refrigerator. Simple for me. So our commitments to the community. And I think this is, this is really important, and that is targeting the production of low-carbon content LNG for the world. Uh, and this will, in fact, be one of the lowest emitting LNG facilities anywhere on the planet. We also want to invest significantly, and I'm going to talk about, I have another slide that I'll talk about what this investment looks like in the Rio Grande Valley. Educate current and future uh, employees. And this, in my view, is really, really important. I go back to the panel that was discussing this earlier. Uh, I, one of the th things that, that caught my eye on this was, Several years ago, I had an opportunity to visit a shipyard in Louisiana. I was over in Louisiana. I was looking at the, the people that were doing the work, and I noticed that all of the welders were from Mexico. And I asked the ship owner, I said, why are all the welders from Mexico? And his response was, we can't get any trained welders. So we have to import, legally import, welders coming into this country. And the same thing is not just in Louisiana, but the same thing in Texas, same thing all over North America. We've encouraged our kids that you have to go to university, you have to go to college. But at the end of the day, some kids may not want to go to college. Some kids may want to go into the trades. And going into the trades, there's no stigma about going into the trades. My father was a carpenter, and he provided a very good living for, for my family or our family as I was growing up. So I think thinking about, well, if you're a good welder, you'll have a job forever all around the world. If you're a good carpenter, you'll have a job all around the world. If you're a good electrician, a millwright. Uh, so there's a number of jobs that we should be focusing on and thinking about, and that's one of the things that we're thinking about. How do we train and get kids excited about getting into the oil and gas industry? And we talk about SpaceX. Well, I don't know of any other industry that is more cutting edge or innovative than the oil and gas industry. People go, well, that's crazy. I mean, it's just poke a hole in the ground and out comes the oil or out comes the gas, and that's not true. When I joined this industry in 1981, we were running out of gas in 10 years. 1991 comes along, we're still running out of gas in 10 years. And then all of a sudden things started to change. In, in the early 2000s, we were really running out of gas. So that's why we started looking at building a number of LNG import facilities to, come, so to bring gas into the United States. Well then something really interesting happened. It was horizontal drilling combined with hydraulic fracturing. And guess what? Hydraulic fracturing has been around since the late 1940s. So that's nothing new. What was new was a, a gentleman's name by, uh, by Mitchell out of the woodlands who was able to combine horizontal drilling with hydraulic fracturing. That meant you could go down two or 3,000 or 4,000 feet, and you could go sideways another three or four or 5,000 feet. And you knew exactly where the drill bit was. You know exactly where the fractures are. You know how, exact, how far the, the fractures are actually uh, extending. 
So we have an innovative industry. We have to get kids to think about that. We have to get kids interested in science, technology, engineering, and math. And I look to the, the, the political leaders in the room, I look to the business leaders in the room to think about how do we do that. And because we, we're, this job that we're going to have at Next Decade or Rio Grande LNG, this will be around for a long, long time. These facilities, if, they're, uh, if there's still gas supply available and demand available, they'll operate for 75 to 100 years. So we need to think about how we make sure our kids are trained to do this, not just this generation, but future generations. So in terms of contributions to the valley, when you look at this GDP contribution, now this is just during construction at the top line here, $35 billion during construction. So that's over four years. That's to the federal government. $23 billion to the Texas Treasury and $6 billion to Cameron County's Treasury. When you look at jobs, ours will be at a peak about 5,000 construction jobs. And, and that will be at peak during the four years. And then when you look at tax receipts, tax receipts for the federal government during the four years, $3 billion. For Texas, $1.2 billion. And when you look at Cameron County, $137 million. And then below that are the operation, uh, operating uh, numbers. So every year, these... Uh, GDP will increase by 560 or 513 or 326 million dollars. Taxes for Cameron County will be five million dollars a year. And I should say these numbers are a bit old and uh, a tiny a tad out of date because they were developed at the end of 2015. So this means that they've probably increased since that time. And this is one of the reasons why we're confident that we're going to be able to be successful and have a final investment decision towards the fall of this year. When you look at this chart, this is the demand and supply chart for global LNG. And this is truly a global industry. So when you look at the solid blue line or solid blue block, that's LNG that's currently either being produced today or under construction. That's 440 million tons. You look at the red block, and I don't know why we call this, colored this red, but it's the Russian LNG that's currently either being supplied today or under construction. We think that's going to decrease. And the reason why we think that's going to decrease is because several of the uh, plants that are being developed in Russia are not able to get their parts that they need to finish building them because of sanctions. The gray uh, block is the demand that analysts are projecting in terms of how much LNG is going to be needed by 2030. The light blue is 100 million tons that we believe is going to need to be replaced, to be developed to replace Russian natural gas. And that's only saying, we're only thinking 75% of that gas is going to be replaced. So overall, we believe that by 2030, there's going to be demand for an additional 200 plus million tons of LNG per year. And that's why we're uh, extremely confident. And we just sold, actually, uh, Next Decade was the first company to sell to a European buyer after Russia's invasion of uh, Ukraine. And that was to Angie out of, uh, out of Paris. And they're an interesting one as well because when we first began discussions with them in 2020, the French government said they couldn't buy from uh, the United States, not just us, but they couldn't buy from the United States because of uh, hydraulic fracturing and you weren't doing anything to, to manage your greenhouse gas emissions. Well, we've taken care of that. We are managing our greenhouse gas emissions, and so I'm proud to say they are uh, a significant buyer of, of our LNG. In summary, there's a couple of things here that I think are important. One is the project is fully permitted. 
So it's got its export license. It has um, uh, pretty much everything we need. We have gone back to the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission for uh, a few asks. One is we need an extension of two years because of the COVID pandemic. We've submitted a limited amendment to the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, which incorporates the uh, carbon capture and sequestration into the project. In terms of location, great location for an LNG facility. Uh, when you look at the, the upper uh, Texas coast or Louisiana coast, there are, there are a lot of liquefied natural gas export facilities in those locations around the Calcasieu River or the Sabine River. Here, not so much. And also here, when you look at history, the amount of severe storms that come into southern Texas are not nearly the same as the storms that go into uh, western Louisiana or Louisiana in general and east, uh, far eastern Texas. And then finally, sustainability. Combining this with carbon capture and sequestration, again, we're looking at reducing our carbon footprint by more than 90% and sequestering more than 5 million tons per year. And that's it for me. Thank you all very much. That was Senior Vice President of Corporate Affairs for Next Decade LNG, David Keene. The Texas Association of Business held the Rio Grande Valley Business Summit in conjunction with the RGB Partnership at the McAllen Convention Center. I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service.